0: Welcome to the Dissolve Podcast episode 31, the Generals on the Windshield edition. I'm Scott Tobias, editor of the Dissolve. On this week's show, the release of the Will Smith romantic con movie, Focus, has us reflecting on the actor's career now that he's firmly middle age Can the fresh prince change into a wizened king? And keeping on the subject of senior cinema, the release of a sequel to the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel confirms that a strong market exists for people Will Smith's age or older. What old age trends have we been seeing in art houses and multiplexes in recent years? The game this week is MPAO Scott, in which I ask contestants to identify the pithy ratings descriptions of New York Times film critic A.O. Scott. Then we wrap it up, as always, with our quick fire recommendation segment, 30 Seconds to Sell. Stay tuned, dissolvers. We are now deep into the Willennium, so deep, in fact, that uh, Will Smith is now 46 years old and has been acting in movies for over 20 years, most of them as one of the biggest stars in the world. In fact, his romantic interest and focus, Margot Robbie, was only three when Smith had his breakthrough role in Six Degrees of Separation. So what's the difference between Will Smith then and now? What's the key to his longevity? And is he the type of actor you can imagine seeing in movies for another 20 years? Joining me to talk about it are... Nathan Raven and And Genevieve Kosky. Nathan, let's start with you. What do you see just fundamentally as Smith's appeal as an actor?
1: I think Smith's uh, fundamental appeal as an actor is that he's extraordinarily charming. He's one of those people who just has a very big presence, who just kind of plays himself in movie after movie, who just kind of has that movie star charisma. He's also incredibly cautious in the way he uh, leads his career, which I think is one of the reasons why he's still one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Uh, I think that also kind of limits him as an actor. I'd love to see him take tougher, weirder, edgier choices. I mean, I think the uh, boldest thing he ever did was pretty much his first movie, uh, Six Degrees of Separation. Mm -hmm. I would love to see the Six Degrees of uh, Separation Will Smith come back and a little less of the Men in Black 3 picking up a paycheck uh,
0: Will Smith. What do you think, to, uh, Genevieve?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, especially if we're talking about, like, 90s and early 2000s, Will Smith, when he was the most bankable star in the world, he had, like, eight consecutive films gross over 100 million, which is... Yeah, yeah he think, was the king
1: of the July 4th. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I think then, especially, his uh, appeal was based very much in, you know, a, a type of charisma we might now call swagger. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know uh, he, You know, thinking back to, like, Bad Boys and Independence Day, he had this, like cocky charm that at the same time isn't quite off-putting and it you know helped him carry a very impressive string of blockbusters I think as he's gotten older his role as a parent has maybe become more pronounced in his career to possibly detrimental effect Mm -hmm. Um, and it's maybe gotten harder for him to capture that kind of youthful swagger uh, in in more recent roles, but it sounds like maybe focus, uh, you know, based on your description of it, maybe has a little bit of that. Yeah,
0: it does. I mean, I, I think that I think he does he's able to kind of. A coast a bit, in a good way. Right, like right, He's right. A t- he's the type of actor who really does He's kind
1: of got that Cary Grant, you know, he can kind of breeze through roles right. without too much effort. And I think that's another part of uh, his appeal, is you don't see him trying that much. He's not one of those actors who uh, who exerts uh, excessively. And thinking about Will Smith, I think of a Nunden uh, headline, that was Will Smith, uh, the black man everybody at work can agree with. <laughs> right. uh, mm. And I think, again, that's another part of his appeal, is that he appeals to everybody. You know, grandmothers, children... Uh, divorcees, heroin addicts—they all love Will Smith.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think that plays into an- another... especially heroin addicts. I don't know why they just shoot up and shoot up and watch his movies. All, all my there. heroin addict friends say he's the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's also the fact that he was. You know maybe the first hip-hop one of the first hip-hop artists to cross over to the movie mainstream and yeah. probably the most successful rapper to do so by a large degree uh, to the extent that he's now thought of as an actor before he's thought of as a, a rapper that's uh, you know probably fair i think yeah, thought of yeah.
1: as an, an actor who used to rap yeah yeah exactly entirely appropriate you know and
2: and that's not necessarily so unusual today you know with your your ice cubes and your iced teas mm-hmm. and your um no form- the, the man formerly known as marky marks Right. You know, but I think at the time, you know, first with Fresh Prince of Bel Air and then the string of hugely successful blockbusters, it was it was novel to see a a rapper cross over like that, Um, and you know that novelty has obviously faded over the years.
0: Well, it's been it was an easier transition for him because it wasn't like parents just don't understand was NWA exactly. Was- I mean it was he was always playing a character to yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, you know, the Fresh Prince was a character and yeah. you watch those those videos, you watch that television show. I mean they're all very goofy, all very cartoony. Uh, I think another part of his appeal is that he's just incredibly accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get Will Smith. Uh he's also a very handsome man uh, and very tall well, as well. Let me let me uh, <laughs> And I, he, and he's one of those two where he doesn't seem to have aged really, you know, he kinda looks the same as he did twenty years ago.
0: Here, in the way where we seem to be describing him, um, actually, it calls to mind uh, in, in the way that he, I guess, navigates his career in a really careful, careful way, cautious reminds, way. Cautious way reminds me so much of uh, Tom Cruise, <laughs> right? you know, and there's of course the a Scientology connection we won't necessarily get into, but I think you could say um, of both actors that there's there's a certain you know opacity to them as well. There's like, there's like, they're 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 very charismatic and they're easy to follow. They can they can really carry a movie, but it's actually really hard uh, to find too many roles uh, where you're going to see something else. Where you're going to see, uh, you know, vulnerability or uh, um, you know, realness. I guess. Right. right, um, right. There, there's a there's a there's like a, like a Frank Mackey. Yeah. There's It'd a, be there's, great to see
1: him do a Frank Mackey. Right.
0: Just the, the, you're right. There's something kind of closed off about him, and that's kind of what gives me a little bit of. Concern, I suppose, about whether he's going to be able to make that transition into an actor who can work into his fifties and sixties, because because I think you know once you once the youthful charisma is gone, once the youth is gone, then you kind of have to have that other layer, and where and, and do we, does he have it?
2: I see two signs of hope. Uh, one is a movie that probably no one would see any signs of hope in, uh, which was last year's Winter's Tale, oh. where Will Smith yeah, had God. one of the, yeah. the, mo- the funniest, most Random cameos ever playing uh, Lucifer. Okay, the Devil. spoiler. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, spoiler for probably the spoiler best part about of my that dark movie. lord <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure uh, that I'm a Satanist. Yeah. and um, also his casting is Deadshot in the Su- Suicide Squad movie Okay, which is like, a, you know, a, a kind of a bunch of villains, you know, Deadshot's an assassin and uh, it's, it's like a superhero group made up of super villains so those two things, you know, make me think he might be going in a more like villainous direction, is mm. he could, or more willing to play the bad guy or, or, or willing to play a heavy, which uh, I, I'd like to see out of him. I think, you know, so much, so many of his early roles were playing, you know, just like like we've said, the very likable uh, guy with, with yeah, with whose flaws are surface at be- surface level at best, you know. So I I'd maybe like to to see him embrace the darker side of his personality. And, you know, one of my favorite Will Smith roles of the last decade or so, probably about a decade ago at this point is Hancock, Mm -hmm. which uh, definitely kind of plays into that aspect. a, a little more than his previous roles had.
1: I think it's worth noting that uh, there was a lot of talk about him being offered a lead role in Django Unchained mm. uh, and him basically saying, like, I, like this is a great script that I cannot star in because, like, my fan base will not want to see this dark and disturbing of a movie. Uh, and I think that kind of sucks that, you know, he is such a huge star. And I think, again, when you're at that point in your career, you're not just looking after Will Smith. You're looking after Will Smith Butler and his accountant and his servant. Well, well, there's a, there's, and
0: Jaden and... and, uh, and his uh, house and just, the brand, just the brand and, in general was very, right, very closely right. guarded. And yeah. you know, I mean, they did
1: amazing things for for Jamie Fox. But man, I think Will Smith would have killed in that role. I think it's also worth noting that he is a good actor. I mean, he played Muhammad Ali, which he looks almost nothing like Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali has one of the most distinctive personas, personalities, and uh, and all of pop culture and he just nailed that role. Yeah, he and he did. nailed it not by being all flashy and, and, and gregarious. He he kind of found this inner calm within uh Ali that again I, I found incredibly impressive. But would also love to see him, yeah. you know, do more stuff with like Michael Mann, you know, more more directors of, of that, that caliber. Yeah.
2: But but with Ali too, there was, you know, that there's that strain of, you know, showman, cocky showman in, in Muhammad Ali's personality right, that, right. that I think was, you know, uh, something that he was able to tap into as maybe sort of a an in to that, to that role, oh, totally.
1: Totally, well, he's, he's an entertainer, kind of as as much as he is an actor.
0: And I wonder again to kind of get back to the, the the Tom Cruise comparison too. That if you do control your career that tightly, and you really put yourself out as the hero, that that if as Genevieve says, that he's con- if he can show a different side of that, that it's that much more effective. It's like if you, you know when you get to see Tom Cruise act for you know 20 years the better part or 15 years and he appears in magnolia right, um right. as as something you know it's a it's a kind of a startling effect in tropic thunder as well i mean you can kind of like there there the you know they can surprise you because they, they've they can show you you know sides that you haven't seen before um, so that made, that's, that's some sign of sign of hope for him anyway going uh, going forward. I just kind of wonder where his place is going going to be. He's not he's not associated. You know, Hancock was not a franchise. It, or I think was maybe a would be franchise. That didn't happen, um, you know. The, Although
2: the, it was quite successful, right? Right? It was. Yeah, yeah, it, was yeah. it was. I, I don't
0: know if they Ground ever Busters. really, uh, you know, maybe people didn't like it enough, or I don't know what yeah. happened with it. But it, it, was a,
2: it,
1: it was a weird, tricky, very different kind of comic book movie. I think that's a big part of the reason why they did not follow
0: it up. But but currently, he's not really attached to you know, if Men in Black is maybe the last big franchise he's attached to. I think they're probably done after three. I would think, maybe maybe mm, not. I'll they'll reboot it, um, but Nick but, Cannon. I just don't know where he goes, and it's been interesting to see the Will Smith of the last decade. And maybe we can talk about that a little Mm. bit because he has had, you know, some blockbuster hits. He had Hitch, he had I Am Legend, Hancock, Men in Black Three. But he's doesn't he's not Mr. July Fourth anymore, you know. And he's been in some pretty widely ridiculed flops like Seven Pounds and and After Earth. I mean, does he didn't
1: he get nominated for an Academy Award for uh, Seven Pounds?
0: I know that was have, a Pursuit of happiness. Yeah, nobody was giving, uh, <laughs> nobody's <was> giving a seven <laughs> pounds anything but, but, but ridicule. Um, because of the jellyfish, remember the whole jellyfish thing? Yeah, did you not? Did he miss seven pounds? Uh, I did miss uh, yeah. seven pounds. It wasn't so great, but um, although I have seen
1: the movie Shark Tale,
2: yeah, I was gonna say yeah, got a brand. And there were Shark there were a lot
1: of jellyfish uh, in that,
2: and they were wacky and they were rap. I'm actually surprised he hasn't done more voiceover work, and I, I kind of wonder if Shark Tale maybe put him off of it. Just
0: cause... <laughs> put every uh, everyone off of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah Boy, got...
1: it's, it's encouraging that here on uh, here on IMDb it says his next two projects are something directed by Edwards Wick. And uh, a little movie called Bad Boys 3.
0: Oh, okay. So I, I does was not suggest completely wrong about him uh, <laughs> yeah. leaving the franchises behind. But Suicide uh, Squad, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, know. I guess he's going to do what he's going to do. And, 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 you know, he is, um, you know, still his, you know, handsome, charismatic self at 46 in focus. I mean, he can still carry that mm-hmm. stuff. So maybe we're going to have, maybe, maybe he's going to have a longer life as a, uh, as kind of a, a leading man with swagger yeah. uh, uh but i don't know
2: i don't know i think he needs to evolve and it needs to evolve quickly I, th- I think like a lot of the his choices that we're talking about in the next few years uh are maybe the choices of someone who is trying to reclaim uh you know an earlier part of his career and you know he can certainly afford in a literal sense to take some chances like mm-hmm. he was and to a certain extent still is one of the most bankable stars in the world like you know he he doesn't need to take a job to feed his family. Uh, no, you know. So I, you know, I'd like to see him take some risks, and I think it may be a few years before we we see him do that. But you know, get a couple more flops under his belt. Uh, you know, a few, a few more Men in Black threes or whatever, and uh, oh, that that did
1: only a half billion dollars.
2: <laughs> I mean, we, we, we,
3: we're,
1: we're we're
0: we're recording this. Uh, Sorry, I, I meant
2: a few more After
0: Earths. <laughs> we're 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 recording this. Uh, you know, a week in advance, so we we don't know yet how Focus yeah. has done. But but my sense is that is that it, it may be a film that's not going to get away with. I'm Will Smith, yeah. See, see, you know, and I'm being my breezy, charming self, and and I'm going to get away with that. It doesn't really feel like it's got that kind of you know automatic momentum to it.
2: Yeah, I mean. I'm excited to see it, because I do miss that Will Smith, and I, I think there are certainly people that, that feel the same way, but most of the reaction I've seen to that movie in the lead up to it, and it's, uh, you know, advertising campaign is uh, light scorn, at, at, at best. Right, you, you, yeah. You know?
0: Why is it, Yeah. You know, what what is that? they're interesting about this thing that we probably, in which, I mean, is a, it's a film I actually like, and had, had a really good time with, but um, it is not... Uh, uh, you know, it's not reinventing the wheel. I mean, there's there's a certain kind of coasting quality to it, then in a bad way, uh, uh, and that that uh, it does everything quite well, uh, but it's not. It's just not not anything new or, or inspired.
2: Well, yeah. Here's another thing. That, you know, we were talking kind of what his weaknesses are as an actor, and I, I want to get your take on this based on Focus. But I've never really believed him very much as a romantic lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I'm I'm having trouble thinking of any classic Will. Smith romantic pairings uh, in the past. That's a good point. Um, So... like focus is interesting to me in that respect because I don't really think of him as being a, a, a romantic leading man in that way. I think of him as being you know your action star type of leading yeah. Man.
0: Well, well, focus is not gonna not going to assuage you in any way. In fact, yes. I feel like it's been it's designed in a way to, to play into that expectation because you know it you know I, I'm not really giving any, any away because this is part of the plot. But they they you know when he meets Margot Robbie and she becomes sort of his protege, there there is this romantic angle. To to it uh and she really falls for him but he you know when the job is over it's like this is done you know and so is there th- any
2: comment made that he is more than two de- decades older than her no no, <laughs> no comment no, really no. absolutely
0: no comment they could they're just like pretty much the same age even though uh even though they are he is he is uh quite a bit older but but being the,
1: famous means always being 21
0: but there is that but there is that element of just of of Remoteness of untouchability, I guess, and and uh, and I think uh, you know it's it's very carefully cultivated. That's another uh,
2: thing you could say of Tom Cruise too. I mean, mm-hmm. he certainly had some more romantic leading roles, but you know, it's it, it's not necessarily well, he to, he the took, thing that he, comes easiest to him. He took our breath away in uh, Top Gun, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he and. and As cold trickle, he found many (laughs) many people to love. But you're right. I mean, but there is a kind of just. It's uh, it's not felt. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something. These he's had romantic uh pairings and uh, partnerships i guess in movies but you don't feel like that uh, you know that there's a strong emotional core to that he's not all. a
2: passionate actor no right yeah. although he had
0: some
1: amazing uh sexual chemistry with whoever the female lead was in uh shark's Tales.
2: <laughs> was that angelina jolie uh, uh, yes wasn't she the a, fish uh,
1: that overly <laughs> sexualized puffer fish uh, <laughs> and him really seemed to be like oh boy uh and Isn't legend the bag of amps he just spends the whole time just <laughs> Nell and the ladies in that one, right? <laughs> Who's this? The Legend of Bagger Vance.
0: Oh my god, I don't even remember. Uh, no, I think he just ca- kind of come He carries bags around what? sometimes. He, was it, he wasn't he doesn't. a magical he does, black man? He's a he he? magical he black man. Magical black men romantic. do not do, are not allowed to have uh, romantic. <sighs> they can bear You know, they just show up and they help. They help. Uh, they help Matt Damon, and then they go away. Yes. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll see about uh, Will Smith. Uh, I, I, You know, deeper into the willanium, uh, uh, We'll see where he goes, but but until until then, uh, thank you, uh, Nathan, and thank you, Genevieve. Thank you. thank you. The second best exotic marigold hotel opens today, and if you're scoffing at the thought of it, keep in mind that the best exotic marigold hotel was a bona fide art house hit, making nearly fifty million against a ten million dollar budget. And that was just in theaters. There's the perception out there that arthouse movies are, f- are for the young and adventurous, but more often it's just the opposite. Older audiences are a core business, and distributors are always looking for movies that appeal to them, like Quartet or Philomena. At the same time, major studios have scored hits on modestly budgeted movies like Something's Gotta Give and The Bucket List that can find enough older viewers to turn a nice profit. So with death's spiddly fingers closing around my neck, I thought it would be a good time to talk about senior cinema. Joining me are Keith Ups,
4: Rachel Handler, Tasha Robinson.
0: So what do you see as the economics of senior cinema Tasha?
4: Well, there are a couple of things going on there. One is that uh, it, it took only a very small amount of nosing around online to reveal that a lot of uh, small theater owners in particular are responding to the the, the rise of home video and the right. difficulty of getting people into the theaters by specifically programming for senior citizens, you know people who are, are on a budget and are more likely to turn out for matinees. I think anybody who's ever been to uh, a play, uh, like a, a weekend discount matinee play will notice that senior citizens are really highly disproportionately uh, inclined to go to those things. And you can kind of look around. I've, I've been in a lot of plays where I'm the youngest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And the same thing t- seems to hold true for theaters. You can sort of see how uh, theaters might be more inclined to, in the same way that they're constantly trying gimmicks to bring people in, this is one of those gimmicks. Here's a film that's that's aimed towards your sector, you know, come in for a special Special day, or a special program, or special series for it. As far as making them goes, though, um, it se- just seems to me that uh, the market keeps splintering um, with home video and video on demand, and uh, all of the different distribution methods these days. There are more and more ways for people to get movies, and the uh, and the, you know cable channels directed towards very specific sectors of the audience. There, there's more and more market segmentation, and for people who aren't trying to make two hundred million dollar blockbusters that'll make a billion dollars for all of these like tiny indie studios that are really happy if they make a 10 million dollar movie and it makes 50 million dollars. It makes sense to specifically target underserved and especially in this case growing uh, segments of the audience. I mean as the boomers get older and older that segment is growing more and more and this is a generation that's really been used to having culture cater to them and I think it's going to continue to expect culture to be catered to them.
0: That's a really good point, actually. I didn't think about that. The just the number of older, of older, older viewers, and also just the fact that you know they are receiving movies as, as you know in an old way. You know, they're going to movie theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and they're not they're not getting it. Uh, you know, d- downloaded into their directly into their brains. Uh, what do you think, Keith Phipps? Well, I mean,
3: a couple of things come to mind. spinning off what Tasha says, I think about uh, my mom actually, because there's a um, you know, not a lot. Um, Targeted toward, she's in her 80s. There's not a lot targeted toward uh, her generation or or just older people in general. And so when this thing comes along, it has to stand out. And also, just more practically, I I think my mom's exceptionally technophobic, but does not know how to work. uh, Never learned how to work a VCR, much less a DVD player or a DVR. So to see a movie, she goes. She would go to the movie. You know, that just kind of it's it's the way that makes sense to her. And I think that's that's true of others of, of of her generation. As well, so I mean, and as as you said, um, you know, a lot of times I'll catch an art house film at a matinee on a weekend. It is heavily uh, um, an older audience as well. That's it, definitely definitely a, a habit that's out there that that it makes sense for for films to try to capitalize on.
0: So, Rachel, you know, what types of senior stories are out there? What what are the go to formulas that are you know are applied to over fifty movies?
5: So it's funny because as I was um, thinking about this podcast, I realized I was thinking about the movies that are targeted to, to older people. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm a senior at heart. Like, I love all of these movies. <laughs> I took my parents to see my my, my parents, not my grandparents, to see um, the first Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all loved it. I thought it was going to be, you know, boring or you know, I, I wouldn't be into it, but we all loved it. We were all crying at the end, <laughs> my whole family. So, is that when they, I,
0: they, they, they shut down the, the, the hotel?
5: <laughs> yeah, oh, we were stop. devastated about, about the shutting down because we wanted to go. No. You're a um, best
3: exotic miracle pretender.
5: <laughs> um, so, and I love something's got to give, and I love, you know, it's complicated. I love a good Nancy Myers kitchen. I feel like it's really important um, in a movie. Um, so, <laughs> a kitchen. they're just so happy. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, so, um, and I think they're also just great to watch in the middle of winter too. I mean, whether it's actual winter or the, the winter of your life, it's just sort of wow. a good winter, a good winter tale. It's so, they're so feel good. I think the formula is just feel good. It's, the message is, you know, there's still, there's still things you can enjoy. There You can still have sex. You can still get drunk. You can still flirt. You can still, you know, switch spouses. You can reinvent yourself. You know, there's more to life than, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think, you know this just it, the formulas always just feel good and I love I love every minute so of it's it.
0: kind of a crossover it has it has crossover appeal appeal going <laughs> down in age exactly it's not...
5: I'm, I'm 85
4: at heart <laughs>
0: uh, what do you think Tasha uh,
4: I think that finally explains all of the doilies on Rachel's death <laughs> which I've been too polite to say anything about not to mention uh, the fact that she takes a 45-minute break every lunchtime for for tea <laughs> Um, I I think there are a couple of uh, of like really recognizable sort of go to ideas in senior citizen uh, in movies with seniors in them, um, and one of them I'm ready to be done with, and that's that's the one about uh, senility or Alzheimer's or some other disease that's slowly taking away somebody's mind, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know with um, a more and uh, uh, still Alice and uh, away from her we've gotten some really good movies about mm-hmm. that, so it's not necessarily necessary for every film to return to that well it is a really important and common issue that affects senior citizens and at the same time I think it's kind of lazy to continue to return to that well I mean it's like perpetually making uh stories about the the old curmudgeon and the young orphan that the plucky orphan that comes in their heart and lavens things up we've had up We've had the perfect iteration of that movie. (laughs) Um, We've also had uh, Ernest and Celestine, which is a very different perfect iteration of that movie. Um, And, you know, Koya and many, many others. So, So we can be done. We can move on. What excites me these days is movies about senior citizens. I still really enjoy the trope of a senior citizen in some sort of Relationship with a younger person that isn't Woody Allen macking on a woman forty years younger than him, <laughs> um, but you look at something like uh, Peter O'Toole in Venus, and or Harold and Maude for that matter, and just the idea that uh, you know younger people and older people see the world very differently, but have interesting things to bring into each other's lives, if that's done in like a lively and creative way, that isn't really heavily underlining the message of, oh, we have things to teach each other. That's a story I really enjoy. But one of the things I enjoy most in movies about senior citizens is, stories that just acknowledge that they're people and don't try to hit a demo and don't try to explain things to them and don't try to explain themselves to them. And one of my favorites in, in that capacity is David Lynch's The Straight Story, All right. which just happens to be about some older people. And uh, the character played by Richard Farnsworth in that movie, the fact that he's older and there are things that he physically can't do anymore is very much... A part of the plot it's very important to the plot but the, the movie isn't about him being old the movie is about him being an older man who's trying to do something important with his life and it's it's such a fantastic story it's so well told and it's not overtly about being
3: old I think one thing we've found like last year is that quality will uh, will assert itself uh, I mean Love is Strange was the Alfred Molina uh, John Lithgow film about it, an older gay couple who gets married It's uh, just a fantastic film um, and then uh, that that sort of you know stayed away from cliche and, and did everything you're talking about like these are real characters they' they're living their lives and they're interacting with younger people and they're seeing things you know like you said see things differently and that's that's a large the changing of generations is a large part of it I saw a film I don't think anyone else saw called Elsa and Fred. Uh, which has a great cast. It's Christopher Plummer and Shirley MacLaine as an older couple that gets together late in life, and it is it is awful, <laughs> uh, and and end up being roundly rejected uh, by by audiences, uh, you know. Consequently, so um, you know, it's not pandering. Doesn't really pandering doesn't work.
0: I guess the one type of sort of the, the the senior story that that always that I usually don't like is uh, is when it gets too cutesy. You know, when they when when it's all about uh, old people acting young or trying to act young, or uh, uh, and even and even certain films have that element too. I mean, I, you know, as much. Uh, I I don't think, Rachel, I I like uh, something's got to give and it's complicated quite as much as you. And I think I think it's it's because it has those sort of cutesy elements. I really was hoping for a movie that would just deal with, you know, relationships of people of advancing age in a much more straightforward, melodramatic way and not in such a cutesy way. And I kind of got that a little bit in the movie Hope Springs. Did anyone see Hope Springs? Oh, yeah. I saw Hope <laughs> because, Springs. Because, I mean, it ha- that has a little a, a little bit of cutie- cuteness, but, I mean, it is a film about, you know, uh, this r- relationship between Tommy Lee Jones and, and uh, Meryl Streep and the, they, that uh, he's kind of done having sex, you know, and she kind of wants that, and they go to a counselor, which is just so much like the setup for, like, the cutiest thing you've ever seen, right? And and there's there, there are little elements of that, but it's also kind of real. Like, there's a realness to that, uh, to that relationship and to to the to those therapy sessions that gives the movie, I think, a little bit more weight than you expect, and so that's kind of where uh, senior cinema kind of goes wrong for me.
4: I think that cutesiness comes into play when you show older people doing stuff and and treat it as though, oh well, obviously they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. That's what younger people do, ha ha. And when, I, I mean, I, it, I, I'm I afraid it may have sounded condescending when I, I said earlier that I like movies that, that kind of have the message senior citizens are people too. But kind of what I mean by that is, it's just, it's not necessary to have movies that explain to senior citizens, this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're not supposed to do. It's really funny if you step outside the lines of, of proper behavior. And by the way, proper behavior means, you know, sitting on a couch and arranging flowers. Definitely, you shouldn't be smoking pot or skateboarding or having sex, tee hee. <laughs> so movies that just don't get into at all, like what proper or improper behavior is, you know, movies that are just kind of about like living Life. I had some problems with a recent indie called Cloudburst um, starring Ellen Caucus and, and Brenda Fricker as a septuagenarian lesbian couple. Um, because it it went in some really really cutesy directions and some kind of Borat directions. There are a lot of uh, d- Genitals on the d- on the uh, the windshield jokes in that movie for some reason
0: Well, it's that movie and the counselor basically are the yeah. two, are no, the no, two genitals on the windshield
4: There are literally genitals on the windshield But wow. when the movie just watches the two of them and their relationship and, and what it's like for two people to still be living together after more than 30 years um, Um, They're still sexual. They're still playful um, They're still kind of foul-mouthed. They're still funny and yet it gets away from that uh, what I always think of uh, As the the Fisher King they're they're homeless, but they're wacky and they're wise like whenever you get into uh, Older people they're wacky, but they're wise like that kind of tone. I think that's where it becomes too precious
0: Rachel did you have something to say?
5: Oh, I was just gonna ask you if if you prefer the melodrama of The Notebook
0: Oh, <laughs> oh! See, but that, well, the notebook is like one where I like uh, you know the, the young people are, are a little bit more interesting than the, that the framing device. <laughs> right. uh, I guess like we can't give away what the twist is, right? Yeah, Can I we? think it's time. Okay, yeah, she, like she has Alzheimer's, and so he tells her the story of their relationship. Right. Okay, I just wanted to get... That's nice to say it. It's nice it to is. get it out there. I'm, it feels good.
5: It feels good <laughs> to talk about
0: it. Is, is Kobe Smoulders a ghost
3: in this one, too? Covey
0: Smulders not a ghost, but we have kind of a similar... No, I'm not going to get into that, because okay. now, now I'm just going to go right down the Nicholas Sparks uh, uh, avenue. But, uh, but I, what I wanted to ask uh, all of you is, are there certain stars now, Rachel... That you envision aging into actors like Judy Dench and Maggie Smith and Michael Caine and Tommy Jones and these others who kind of continue to find good work into their fifties and sixties and beyond.
5: You know, the first one that comes to mind is Jessica Chastain for some reason. I don't mm-hmm. know. She's I feel like she's really talented and she very she sort of she becomes very different types of women very easily, I think, and she's believable in all of them. So and I don't think I mean it's hard to say, but I think she's less cast because of her looks or because she's so youthful and gorgeous and more because I mean she is those things but more because she's just deeply talented sort of Meryl Streep-esque um so I'd love to see her in, Mm -hmm. in those types of roles and I'd love to just see more movies that are about more about older women I mean not necessarily as part of a couple or or they're dying of some degenerative disease but just a woman you know sort of asserting herself and you know living an independent life and what what it looks like when a woman ages especially if she's on her own i'd love to see more movies like that so i'm gonna make that movie and cast jessica chastain (laughs)
0: that's
3: a good idea in 20 years Uh, there's a few that are easy, um, like like uh, Laura Dern, uh, you can, because her mother has, has has aged so well into into playing uh, 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 older roles. Um, Patricia Arquette, because we just saw her age, you know, twelve years on camera. There's no reason to, to consider that not, you know, why why wouldn't that keep going? You know, um, I don't. I mean, I don't see Tom Hanks going away. I think Tom Hanks being a sort of interesting older actor as he gets older too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think there's a, there's there's a, there's people who will, who will age into senior citizen roles very well. I think. Tasha, Chris, Pratt. <laughs> Chris <Pratt. laughs> I can't project that far into the future.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, well, I mean, by that time, Guardians of the Galaxy 16 is right. going to be out. Uh, uh, Tasha, what about, what about you?
4: I, you know, I don't know. I, uh, it's kind of hard to predict because it's, uh, the field narrows so much in terms of uh, uh, available roles. And for me, it's like, I don't want to think about who's uh, going to be the next Judy Dench. I I want to protect the current Judy Dench mm. and uh, Helen Mirren and uh, Diane Weist and Vanessa Redgrave, like all of these women who are fantastic actors who just don't get as much work because there aren't as many movies about people, Olympia Dukakis for that matter. All of these people who don't get enough work because there aren't enough movies for, for people their age. I mean, I look forward to watching Meryl Streep continue to take on roles until she's 95 without ever getting gaining a wrinkle on her face Um, but for the most part I I just I think about all of the the good actresses that are out there right now in particular and I just wonder how much longer is is Hollywood going to let you continue acting Mm -hmm. so I mean I hope the the growth of senior citizen uh, movies continues Just so we can keep the ones that we've got, you know, let let alone worrying about what the what the young people today are going to do 50 years from now.
0: Okay, that's a good point. Uh, Tasha, Rachel, Keith, thank you very much. Thank you. And now it's time for the game this week, which I'm calling M.P.A.O. Scott. The reviews of New York Times film critic A.O. Scott are a pleasure to read, but the fun doesn't stop there. Fans of his work know to glance down at the MPA rating description, which he writes himself, often as pithy commentary on the movie. Uh, For example, the Drew Barrymore-Adam Sandler comedy Blended is rated PG-13. Why? Quote, it will make your children stupid. Uh, (laughs) uh, For today's quiz, I've assembled a list of 10 ratings descriptions, all from movies that played in theaters in 2014. Your job is to guess the movie. Uh, the Scott Tobias Rule is in effect. I don't know why it's named after me, but it is. Uh, that means that uh, you'll be ducted at a point for a wrong answer, so don't be too quick th- with those barnyard buzzers. Joining me are Keith Phipps, Rachel Handler, and Tasha Robinson. Okay, so we've got the gaming hat right here. I'm very excited about this whole thing. It's going to work out great.
4: That's an actual hat. That's my winter hat.
0: Yep, it's her winter hat. (laughs) But uh, we call it a sorting hat or a gaming hat. (laughs) Uh,
4: We all wish it was the sorting hat.
0: Okay, here we go. Rated R, a few swear words, but otherwise pretty much what you'd hear over the speakers at Starbucks. (laughs) Keith. Once. No, it's from last year. Wouldn't that be accurate though for once? It would be... F- it's very curious. Yes, Tasha. Begin Again? Begin Again is correct. Oh, oh right. Yeah. So Keith goes down a point and Tasha gets gains. I was, uh. a, I was in the right zone. You were in the right zone. I feel like I'm standing on That's a harsh, harsh assessment of the work of Glenn Hansard and uh, Marquetta Erglova. <laughs> mm. Not a fan.
3: No, no, I don't like that movie. That's fine. But, but I think the soundtrack was actually sold at Starbucks. Oh, so, yep.
0: you know. yeah yeah. He, he knows what he says. Okay. Okay. Rated R. Not because of the nightmarish spectacle of unchecked state power... But because of the swearing it occasionally provokes. Not because of the nightmarish spectacle of (laughs) unchecked... Keith Phipps? Is that Citizen Four? Citizen Four is correct. Citizen Four is correct. So Keith is back to zero. Back to zero. Back to zero. All right. Next one. Rated R. Unkind things are said about mothers even though no mothers appear in the film. This is a little tricky. A little tricky, but if you get a kind of, you know, obviously people are swearing quite a bit, and it's, there are a lot of men in the film, so what would that be from 2014? Probably a lot of films. I <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah. That, that, what films from 2014 are aimed at a lot of men in <laughs> what them? What, to Come on, people. mothers would be harder to All right. Everyone giving up here? The film's Whiplash. Ah. Whiplash. Mm. Yeah. Some of these are a little harder than, than others, mm-hmm. but some are, some are gimme's, so uh, hang in there. All right. Rated PG-13 for illicit sex, cataclysmic violence, and advanced math, most of it mentioned rather than shown. (laughs) Tasha Robinson. Theory of everything. No. No. Wrong. Uh, That's a very good guess, though. Advanced math. Advanced math, illicit sex, cataclysmic violence.
4: Oh, do you remember all the cataclysmic violence in that (laughs) one? It's cataclysmic emotional violence, admittedly.
0: You're so close. Uh... Tasha went back down to everyone's at zero now. All right. We're giving up. She, uh, Genevieve wants to guess. It the it's the imitation game. It's the imitation game. That's right. Uh, very close. Everyone's very close. Keith was uh, in the ballpark. You were in the ballpark. But I, didn't,
4: I didn't want to take two swings at it. It's but... the
3: cataclysmic thing
0: that was that. The... I was
3: thinking apocalyptic, like, like, like uh, one of your uh, post-apocalyptic movies or something. No, but, cataclysmic. No, it's, that was kind of, yeah. Okay. Kind
0: of... Uh, rated PG-13. Volatile temperaments. Uncouth language. Bad art.
4: Whiplash. Yes. Big
0: eyes. Big eyes. That's right. Rachel's on the board. Uh, good job. Wow. I think she's in the lead now with one.
4: it's to keep your mouth I didn't budge in for Whiplash because I knew that wasn't the answer. Good one. My, I kind of wish it had been Whiplash. This
0: one's a little tricky. This one's a little tricky. You're going to have to think <laughs> about this one. Rated R. Your kids have probably heard worse online. Yes. I'll say men, women, and children. Yes. Keith Phipps. Yeah. Back, it is one, 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 zero. Okay, here we go. Rated R for sex, swearing, drug use, blisters. Yes.
4: Wetlands? Oh,
0: no. Uh-huh. That's pretty good, though. I forgot about the <laughs> blisters part of that. <laughs> More, it's want, more it's more a fissure i think but. i want that
4: to be whiplash again
0: no uh, no one's no one has a guess I mean, all
4: of all of blood in that movie is uh, is based around plainly
0: blisters. blisters is the key word here
4: what oh, read it again
0: sex swearing drug use blisters genevieve has it uh nope you get nope it's too late oh you're you're, you're going for inherent it inherent vice nope you're wrong as well you okay. that's uh down down negative two it's wild remember wild uh, oh, yeah. 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 Very painful definitely. blisters. I was thinking blisters related to sex, and that's what was throwing me
3: off. Boy.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it is. Of yeah, course. You, uh, yeah, why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't that be? Okay. Um, this a this, one's, this break, one's a little bit more right. of a gimme. This is one... So I'll get the buzzers uh, ready for this one. Whiplash. Not whiplash. Rated PG-13, high impact, mostly bloodless violence, and a few glimpses of mutant buttocks.
3: Yes.
5: Guardians of the Galaxy? No. no.
3: Is that X-Men Days of Future Past? Correct. Keith yeah. Phipps. Oh,
5: I guess there are of course. five.
3: Commanding lead now, right?
0: Two. <laughs> two. <laughs> is, it, is it two, zero, negative two? No, two,
2: negative one,
0: negative one. Okay. He's running away with it, but we'll keep going. Maybe, he'll, maybe Keith will stumble. He sometimes does that. Um, all right. Two more. Rated R. Intensive discussion of human excretory and reproductive systems. That would be... Uh, <laughs> think about it. Wetlands was close, <laughs> but it wasn't all the way there.
4: I'm not going whiplash It's something, that
0: got, an, it's something that got a rating. Keep that in mind, too. <laughs> oh, she's Oh, she's, she's completely oh given it a lie. Tasha Robinson. Obvious it's child. It's obvious child. That's you know her. who the
4: obvious child in this room is? One Genevieve <laughs> coughing the words panty gunk. Goski. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right. The last, what, last one. Uh, that this leads is, to my so loss. So we're still tied protest. at negative
4: one, and Genevieve has one.
0: This is ceremonial. <laughs> another, another easy one. Come on, everybody. PG 13, whole cities are wiped out so that two enormous bugs can be prevented from having sex. Tasha Godzilla. Godzilla is correct. Uh, but not uh, you know, you did fine. You tried you really tried, Tasha this time. Mm-hmm. You came in, you did come in second, but, uh, but Keith Phipps again uh, emerges the winner. Um, so uh, yeah, AO Scott, something to read. I mean, always always uh, a great read anyway, but uh, keep, keep going because uh, his ratings descriptions are a treat.
4: I'm. I'm just gonna glory in the fact that my points were for panty gunk and bug sex.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, ta- Tasha, Rachel, Keith. Thank you. And now we've reached 30 seconds to sell. We're in. Nathan Raven and
2: Genevieve Kosky
0: have 30 seconds to convince me to buy the recommendation, which they're just making up now on the fly. <laughs> this, we is gonna did be, this is going to be not prepared. This is going to be very exciting. It's the two 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 kids coming to, coming to the test, having not, not just barely cramming for their test. to me those crazy crally. jazz musicians who don't know how to play their instruments. Nope, it's going to be fantastic. So who? Wants to flail first. I might as well get this over with. All right.
2: Oh, I wanted to get it over All with. All right, oh.
0: Nathan. Okay, you can get it over with after I get it over with. All right, here we go. Three, two, one... Go. This
1: Sunday, we watched a motion picture called Birdman, win best picture. That exact same day I watched a movie. that's very, very similar, but a whole lot better, called The Humbling, which is also about a stage actor in the midst of a midlife crisis. It features uh, really fine work from people who haven't done good work in a very long time. Al Pacino, incredibly restrained. Buck Henry co-wrote the screenplay. Barry Levinson does a really nice job directing. Just this very low-key character study uh, that I really, really appealed, and that is a movie that I recommend.
0: Oh, That's pretty good, Nathan. Yeah. Nice job. How's that? Nice job. Oh, that right. making this easy on me? Yeah, that yeah. is uh, very... Uh, that was very exciting, Nathan. Good job. Good job. You just have to just... Don't prepare for stuff any- ever exactly. again. Exactly. Uh, all right, Genevieve. Here you go. Three, two... One, go.
2: All right, once again, I am going to request a movie that people could have seen in theaters and should have seen in theaters, but probably didn't, that is now available on home video and streaming, and that is uh, Beyond the Lights. Uh, It came out last year. It's by Gina Prince-Bythewood, who is uh, the woman behind uh, Love and Basketball. It's just a wonderfully romantic movie. Uh, You know, It's a straight romance, which we don't get a lot of these days, but it has a lot of really smart things to say about the music business and women in show business. And it's wonderfully performed uh, by uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw and Nate Parker, and it's really good.
0: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's nice. Seeing the last couple of seconds. This is very. Uh, this is a close one. I think both of these recommendations are, are ones I'm. I pers- I'm going to take up. I will see Yay. both of these films. I, I, I try to see. Beyond the Lights in theaters uh, last year, but it it was out so fast. Mm -hmm. You know, when I looked, it was like, you can see it. You can see it at 1030 on a weeknight. It's like, "Ah, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. But uh, so I'm going to see both of them. I think I can see Beyond the Lights now, though. So I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give Genevieve the win Yay. on the the provisional win, but 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 uh, but I'm also gonna see the humbling a little bit later. It's trick because it's trickling out in theaters now. I think it might be on VOD as well. It's,
1: uh, on DVD actually. Is so it, on right. DVD well? it on DVD as mm. wow. well?
0: It's on DVD. Uh oh. Wow. Get see Al Pacino. i um, <sighs> just drained. I'll, uh, I'll I'll leave let the verdict stand, but uh, yeah. but both of those films sound great. All right, oh. All right thanks guys. Thank, Thank you. you. That does it for episode 31 of The Dissolve Podcast. Please join us in two weeks for more opinions, insight, and general tomfoolery. In the meantime, you can enjoy The Dissolve in Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and website form. And if you have any questions or thoughts, email us at feedback at The Dissolve Podcast is produced by Genevieve Kosky with assistance from Colin, the animal Griffith. And remember kids, the windshield is for wipers only.